Fun fact, Adam Smith's birthday is actually unknown. But if you're following the modern calendar, like most of us do, June 16th, today, is when Adam Smith was baptized. So, today on The Curious Task, I speak with Janet Bufton and Sarah Squire about why they would tweet the wealth of nations. Welcome to The Curious Task from the Institute for Liberal Studies, where we explore economics, politics, philosophy, and other ideas from a classical liberal perspective. I'm Alex Aragona, your host, and today I'm speaking with Janet Bufton and Sarah Squire. Janet co-founded the Institute for Liberal Studies in 2006 and has worked as program coordinator with the ILS since 2013. She also manages the Liberal Studies Guides Project. In addition to her work with the ILS, Janet has been an education consultant for Adam Smith Works since 2017, and she also works as a copy editor and a consultant in Ottawa, Ontario. Janet earned a Master's in International Affairs from Carleton University's Norman Patterson School for International Affairs, where she focused on international trade and development. Sarah is a senior fellow at Liberty Fund, a nonprofit educational foundation, and works with Janet on Adam Smith Works. She's also the co-author of the college writing textbook, Writing with a Thesis, which is in its 12th edition. She has published a range of academic articles on subjects from Shakespeare to zombies and the broken window fallacy. Her work on literature and economics has also appeared in Newsweek, The Freeman, and in Cato Unbound. And she's an occasional lecturer for many organizations. She earned her MA and PhD from the University of Chicago. Janet, Sarah, welcome back, both of you, actually, to The Curious Task. Nice to be here. Very good to be here. Today, our question is, why tweet Adam Smith? And we can get started with just that, actually, right after someone explains to me what it is we're talking about for those that may be unfamiliar. So, Sarah, can you tell me exactly what it was you folks were up to on Twitter recently? What is Wealth of Tweets? Yes. Um, So Janet and I both work with a website that comes out of Liberty Fund, which is an educational foundation in Indianapolis, Indiana. One of the things that we do at Liberty Fund is publish Adam Smith's works, both electronically and physically. Um, And Janet and I both work for the website, Adam Smith Works. Um, We had received several requests over the last little while to tweet the wealth of nations. Um, which didn't strike me as initially a very interesting product project to engage in. I figured you could just like write a bot for it and tweet 280 character bits of Wealth of Nations, right. but I didn't that would intrigue anybody very much. And so Janet and I sort of got to talking and figured that what we would do instead was tweet running commentary on the Wealth of Nations as we read our way through it. So Wealth of Tweets is a project where we spent about Three months, maybe a little bit longer, tweeting daily running commentary on our reading of Wealth of Nations. And, and you said something there. So the, the idea came from people actually had re- requested this, you were saying? Or so people said, like, why not tweet the Wealth of Nations? Or, or Janet, like, you're going like that with your head? Like, what, what happened there? They wanted us to tweet, like, the first 280 characters and then the next 280 characters and then the next 280 characters for a thousand pages. Wow. We didn't think that would be a lot of fun. I, I don't know about Sarah, but I wouldn't even read that. Right. And but given, you know, given Adam Smith's very 18th century prose style, right, 280 characters is not necessarily going to get you through most of his sentences. Right. Much less any of his paragraphs. So it was just that approach was definitely a non-starter. Um, 
in, in all kinds of ways. But we wanted to figure out how to do something fun with Twitter and with with Smith. So other than the fact that people requested this and maybe planted the seed for the idea, can, can Janet, can you, for instance, tell me the story of what, what came over both of you to take on this task and actually make it fun? Like how did these discussions sort of start? What? I know, I know you'll both have input. What were we thinking? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's a nicer way of putting it. I mean, I did, but Janet, like what, well, Janet first, then we'll go to Sarah. Like what was your memory of how did someone message somebody and say, Hey, let's do this, make it fun or. So to be, to be totally honest, what happened was I had a little bit of extra bandwidth and <laughs> I sent an email saying, Hey, does anyone have anything to work on? And Sarah was like, I have a thing. Oh, wow. So you you actually <laughs> um, <laughs> volunteered rather than were voluntold. Oh no. So I, I was, I was looking to, uh, so I, it's unclear to me if I had ever, so I had certainly never read all of the wealth of nations all the way through in order. I had probably, I think I had read almost all of The Wealth of Nations. I don't think I had read The Digression on Silver, which is a substantial chunk. Um, <laughs> and uh, so it, it wasn't that I was voluntold. This sounded fun, right? This this is why we work for this website. Right. <laughs> is, is that we hear stuff like this and we're like, ooh, this could be like a really neat thing to do. Right. I mean, you have to be the kind of person who's like, ooh. <laughs> The love of the nations. That sounds like a really good day, right? But also, let us remember uh, this was fairly early on in the pandemic uh, when Janet and I started working on this. It was exactly, I think, early on enough where uh, we were sort of bored and cooped up and and looking for stuff to do and looking for big projects that. Um, would have been much harder for me to do when I was doing sort of the eight to five office uh, kind of routine that I generally do at Liberty Fund, right? What you need, it turns out, what you need in order to tweet something like Wealth of Nations is a lot of very, very serious time to think and read and reflect and distill and then make it funny and make it fun. And it's much, much harder, I think, than either one of us thought that it would be. Oh, yes. Like, I mean, absolutely. Like when I, when I was seeing this, I was like, I, I like, and for those of you who haven't seen this, we're going to leave the link in our episode notes for those of you listening to actually go to Wealth of Tweets. But yeah, I mean, the, the art of this clearly was that as much fun as everybody was having on Twitter with this, there's a lot of legwork that was put in the background, right? Janet, as you were saying. Yeah. If you really want to understand something, uh, I highly recommend trying to tweet it. Yeah, that's that's a good point. Because <laughs> you 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 have to understand what you're talking about to put it into 280 characters. It's It's a hard thing to put complex ideas into a short uh, format. And when you were formatting some of these posts, Janet, again, people can check us out in the episode notes, but some listening haven't seen this at all yet. Again, you talked about this, this running commentary idea. When you sat down with a chapter or a section, like what kind of goals did you have in mind? Like I want to first summarize and, and be funny, or was it just like, did some just come so naturally that you thought, Hey, I actually have some insights from this or like, you know, how, how did you look at that task and say, here's how I'm going to approach this? So I'm actually not sure that we talked about that ahead of time. I think it just sort of emerged as we were doing it. It was high uh, at the end. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it it was sort of like um, we decided we were going to do it, and then we sat down and started trying. And I think I may be misremembering, uh, but I think that we may have like tried a couple of formats and then decided no. Uh, like a few tweets that were sort of they got cut because it wasn't the right sort of thing, right? If you're just summarizing the idea. Um, that wasn't quite enough. 
Um, now, sometimes it's hard to do more. For instance, when you're tweeting for like a week about taxes. Um, but we were trying to, you know, make it a not quite conversational, but it was almost as though there was someone who might answer. Right. <laughs> yeah, right. Sarah, I don't know if you uh, if you have a better description. It was very emergent for sure. It, it was definitely emergent. One of the things I think that that might be interesting to know is that Janet and I were writing the tweets for about three or four months before we began to post the tweets. So by the time Wealth of Tweets started to go live on Twitter, we had probably 80% of the project written and, and done. Um, and so we just have this massive uh, spreadsheet that Janet made that has every single Wealth of Tweets tweet in it, which actually turns out to be a really useful annotated reading guide to Adam Smith for both of us now. Um, as we think, where's that part with all the all the poop in it? We got to go find that again. Um, but uh, the, care, the carefully uh, curated poop emojis you guys referred to exactly. on your Adam Smith works article. Very important part of uh, welcome to you. Um, but so that gave us some time that that sort of having that large backlog of tweets gave us some time to really um, find the voice of the project. Um, both Janet and I have an occasional tendency to get a little teachery and eggheady, um, which is not a bad tendency in a lot of ways, but doesn't work particularly well for Twitter because Twitter needs to be short and it needs to be snappy. Um, and so that's some of the, the editing that Janet was talking about. We just, we read through each other's stuff and, and call each other out on moments when we're like, you're teaching now, but you gotta, you gotta, you gotta back it down and just, just talk about it. Right. Just react to it more than explaining it. Especially when you're tweeting about taxes for like a week. Yeah, or, or, yeah, or the digression on silver, which actually, so for people who are not super familiar with the Wealth of Nations and who did not shockingly follow the Wealth of Tweets when it was coming out, um, the Wealth of Nations contains about a 75-page section that Adam Smith titles a digression on the, the price of silver between the years of whatever and whatever, something like that. Um, it is enormously long. It is very involved monetary history. Um, people generally skip right over that um, when they're reading it. And so- I'm laughing. I'm laughing because I didn't. I actually just finished going through it again and I asked myself why I did, but it was, it was interesting actually to go through it and actually with the effort, you know? Yeah. And so it's one of those things that as we were, you know, as the tweets were starting to roll out, right. And we were, we were beginning to approach the digressions on silver. People were like, what are you going to do when you get to the digression on silver? Right. It's just going to be like one tweet and silver and you're important. done. Um, silver is important over now, moving on to the next chapter. It actually ended up being about, I think five days worth of tweeting um, and I think it was some of the funniest stuff that we put out um, because not only did we cover the content really well, it's also just like funny that Smith is like, here's a digression. It's just this minor highway and byway in my work. And it's 75 <laughs> on the entire history of the price of silver over time. Um, and, and when you kind of lean into the weirdness both of what Smith is doing there and then the additional weirdness of like, hey, let's tweet that. Um, it made it a lot of fun. Yeah, and I'll, I'll actually plug reading the digression on Silver because the whole 
for me, the whole rest of the book, there are some parts where if you haven't read the digressions on silver, you're like, what is happening here? Like, why is he talking about this? Um, but if you if you dedicated enough of your life <laughs> to to reading seven and seventy five pages, and like I think it's seventy five pages, but it's actually not super clear to me when the digressions on silver end because like right. <laughs> you think it's done and then you're talking about silver again, um, <laughs> and. Uh, and have, the best part is the digression of silver is all about the price of silver and why it's not really that important. Right. Yeah. And, and it's, <laughs> and it's, uh, it, and that, but that all ties into, so like, then later he's talking about mercantilism and stuff forever and co colonies forever. And then you realize that all of the trade and commercial policy and all of this policy of invading the world and trying to carve it up between a few countries is be because of this, what he sees as, uh, I, think it's, it, I think it's a little bit more complicated than he makes, but what he sees as like sort of a beside the point thing has shaped the entire geopolitical environment that he lives in, right? And if you don't read the digression on silver, which you can totally, not read the digressions on silver and I won't judge you, <laughs> but for me, it was very helpful. <laughs> uh, yeah. You can read our tweets. It will take much less time. There's more poo. Um, <laughs> it's just true. Actually. <laughs> he, he mentions it a little. Yeah, you explain the poop jokes. Um, because I, I tell people that, you know, wealth of tweets is, is, uh, Adam Smith with poop jokes and people are like, well, why did you add the poop jokes? I'm like, actually, um, there's an enormous amount, there's pretty much an entire chapter of Wealth of Nations that is devoted to discussing nothing but the importance of poop. Um, and it's important because uh, when you have cattle, which are a way of having wealth, one of the things that cattle produce other than meat and leather is poop. And poop is important because it improves the land, which then lets you grow more grain, which then lets you raise more cattle, which then lets you support more people, right? And so it's a, it's a very important step in creating the wealth of nations that Smith is, is trying to understand and trying to explain to people. Um, and it, it was just, it, it was one of those, one of those chapters where we thought, well, this was just really made for Twitter, wasn't it? Um, yeah, you, you can do, and Sarah did, uh, what she just said entirely in emojis. <laughs> There, there is a tweet where it's like poo to corn to people to poo, uh, to cows to poo, <laughs> <laughs> but it, but it's true, right? Like at the time, they had figured out so figuring out how to fertilize land was super important for everyone not dying of starvation. Um, we kind of forget that now, and because now we tend to think of fertilizer as a as a chemical thing. Correct. Um, Right, rather than a lot of us anyway tend to think about fertilizer as something you, you know, go to the plant store and buy. Um, we don't tend to think of it as something that is naturally produced when you own animals, right? And when they're part of your 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 farm life and, and the life of the, the land that you're that you're working on, right? But it's it's enormously important. Um and and so that was that was really interesting to see. It I'm I'm still not sure my mom is super proud of me for spending <laughs> But I, it is important, and it's and it's interesting too, right? To think about how much 
right? Smith's observations about the way that nations uh, become wealthier and the way that trade and division of labor and so many of the other things that he outlines make us wealthier um, remain true. They were true. I feel now I'm going to do my Pete Becky impersonation, but I won't bang on the table uh, when I say it, right? They were true uh, when Smith wrote them in 1776. They were true uh, in the 1920s. They're true now, and they will be true 100 years from now. They're just, he's just correct. Um, but one of the things that you also find, especially when you sit down and you really read Wealth of Nations all the way through, or you tweet Wealth of Nations all the way through, is there are some moments when you really see how much the, the details have changed. While the big observations remain true, there are some, some really important changes in, in the details and this dependence on agriculture and this um, right. centrality of farming and of farmland and of um, poop, frankly, to the world around you. It's something that is very different now from what it was to, to Smith's time. And that's that's a really important change. Um. Yeah, it basically I think he would um, we Adam Smith Works has a series of videos called the Smith Questionnaire. And one of the questions is uh, if there's an afterlife uh, and you get to meet Adam Smith, what do you want to ask him? And it's pretty tempting to say, like, can you just revisit this whole value thing? <laughs> because, like, really, it's the centrality of agriculture. And actually, this is something I understand because I read the digression on silver. So many apologies to the people who are like, you don't have to read it. Now I'm like, no. You, you, you. <laughs> you don't but have they, to read it, but let me explain how important it is. Well, well, the, the thing is that, like, the thing he says is more important is corn, by which he doesn't mean corn. <laughs> um, he means the most important grain uh, crop. Right. The yeah. The crop and area about which one is writing is called corn. Right. If if you're uh, at least in the UK, I'd, anyways, it doesn't matter. But he he's kind of like corn is what matters because. And the other thing that's changed a lot is um, people don't just starve now uh, when we have too much labor. Like that the um, the mechanism for adjusting the quantity of labor when Smith is writing is that if there are too many workers. Uh, they won't be able to get jobs. And if they can't get jobs, they can't buy food. And if they can't buy food, their children won't survive. And therefore, there will be fewer workers in the future. Um, and so the stakes when Smith is writing, um, even in countries that today we would never consider that, are just so different. And so you can see why something like corn would become so central uh, the, the main crop that people depend on to live would be so, so central to thinking about how the entire economy works. But that has kind of faded away in important ways. It's not obviously, right, there's still famines and obviously there are still places in the world where the stakes are this high. But it shaped Smith's understanding of how an economy worked so much um, that, yeah, it, it, I would that would be like... We don't actually interview ourselves or each other for the Smith questionnaire, but now there's your spoiler. That would be my answer. I want to ask him about like, would you just throw away the corn, please? Well, and it's interesting too, Janet, right? Because when you think about how Smith is perceived um, sort of in, in general, just in passing, right? It's as an economist who's very interested in industry 
who's very interested in efficient uh, factory production, even though Smith is writing before the factory system really comes in, right? Mm -hmm. Father of capitalism, father of all of this sort of uh, machinery, modernity, all of this stuff, but there's so much land and agriculture and small crofters and small holdings all through the wealth of nations, right? It's it's so much more tied to that world. And it's really, it's such a good picture of that, of, of the way that Smith is on sort of the, the cusp of what we think of as really modernity, right? But he's not He's not there yet, right? He's standing somewhere and looking ahead, right? Imagining ahead, but the world that he's standing in is very, very different, even than the one that you're going to see 20, 30 years later. And um, and, and what, you, what you both have illustrated through everything we've been talking about so far is that each tweet, each stop on this journey is pretty much a gateway into so much more meaning than just whatever amount of characters that you could put put into this. And, and, and as we know, like, Twitter can be great, and this, I think, is an example of one of the ways it can be, but it, it can also, as we know, lend itself to hot takes, short takes, and be a cesspool of, of all that kind of stuff. You know, the Wealth of Nations, as we're proving here today, discussing it via this, this gateway of tweets, is no short story, and there's a lot of meaning behind it, and many uh, technical and factual things going on there, many, many beautifully written things. You know, so what was the thought process that both of you went through, if there was one? As you said, maybe it was just it just went it went as it went. But what was the thought process and the challenge of making this fun for Twitter and accessible, but still giving the work the respect that both of you cl clearly feel it deserves? Like Jan Janet, we'll start with you. Is this just something that happened naturally, or, or did you have to put some conscious thought into that balance? Yeah. So I don't think we had to talk about how to give it the respect we think it deserves because we agree that it deserves a lot of respect. So that part came pretty naturally. Uh, we did talk about, we wanted it to be funny. Um, we did talk about our skepticism that that could always be achieved. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, uh, and then from there, it's kind of, I don't know, we, Sarah talked about the voice of the project. And that, that really was emergent. And we did talk about the things we wanted, right? We wanted it to be accessible. We didn't want it to be jargony. We didn't want to lecture people. Um, if you want to read a explainer about Smith, we have lots at Adam Smith Works. <laughs> Please check them out. Um, but beyond that, so we kind of established a basic understanding of what we wanted to do. And we shared a deep respect for the work. Um, and I think we shared actually also some frustrations with things, important things that get missed, right? Like Sarah talked about just now, the caricature of Adam Smith. People talk about the Adam Smith problem, which is this idea that Adam Smith, when he writes The Wealth of Nations is like, people are greedy and uh, don't care about each other. And that's the way the world works. But then in the theory of moral sentiments, Smith is like, people are really actually, they care about each other naturally. And so if you don't understand Smith's project, it's easy to think uh, as many people who are more sympathetic to uh, like the Marxian project, do when they read Smith, because a lot of Marxists like Smith quite a lot, you can see how you take this like very humane being and then put them into an economic society. And if you think what Smith is doing is trying to show that we're all just propelled through our economic existence by greed, 
you get this like misunderstanding. And so we both had, I think, some pretty shared frustrations with Smith or Smith's, the interpretation of Smith, not Smith's interpretation. Um, and from there, we just kind of tried to start letting the project speak. Um, and by the end, we couldn't tell when we reviewed the tweets who had written them. <laughs> That's interesting. Um, so I think I think that it was achieved. And and so I'll add. I mean, we wanted we wanted to hit a couple of different audiences, right? We knew that um, we would be reaching people who knew Smith really well, who knew Smith better than Janet and I do. Um, and who have worked on Smith for their whole lives, right? So we needed to get this right. We needed to be accurate, right? Um, that was really important. Um, we didn't want Smith scholars yelling at us, right? <laughs> but we also wanted to reach people who had read a little bit of Smith or had like heard of Smith maybe. Um, and so we wanted to be we wanted to produce something that the more Smith you knew, the funnier and the more fun this would be, right? And if you didn't know Smith well, it would invite you in because there's all of these people clearly having a very good time talking about these interesting ideas and being silly about it at the same time, right? And so moments that were... A moment that was particularly, I think, successful for that was we were tweeting about, I think this was me. I can't remember. I think that I'm pretty sure this was me. I was tweeting about Smith writing about um, paper money. And he spends you. incredibly long time explaining paper money, like a really laborious detail on paper money and how it works and why it's still money. Right. And I was reading it and it was, you know, going on and on. And I was reminding myself that he has to be that laborious about it because most people at the time when Smith was writing were not using paper money. Not ever seen paper money. Paper money was new technology. Right. So when we read it now, paper, of course, paper money is money. We don't even we don't think I just gave my kids a $20 bill so they could get lunch while they're at the pool so I can podcast, right? Of course it's money that I didn't have to explain to them how it works or how to use it. Um, they know, right? It's just, it's in, in the system, but Smith tends, has to spend an enormous amount of time discussing it um, and laying it out. And so I was talking about this while I was tweeting and I started to tag a bunch of monetary economists who I know who then began to tweet back about the history of paper money. And when guys like, you know, like George Selgin and, and Larry White, who are huge monetary economists, are pitching in on this, and then you have random people who I've never met who are just following Smith tweets because it was fun and because it was goofy in exchanges with George Selgin and Larry White and me and Janet about the history of money and why Smith has to explain it because it's like explaining Bitcoin now. Right, right. right? Um, it was spectacular. I loved that moment. That was exactly the kind of thing that we were hoping would happen. And it was really cool to see that that happened. Um, Sarah actually had a really good tweet that if you're wondering why the heck it would be so hard to think about paper money, 
I just want to like clear that up. Imagine being the first person who was expected to take a piece of paper instead of literal gold and silver. That's a nice, concise way of putting it. <laughs> here, here you go. Trust yeah, me, this is right. good. Wait, wait a minute. Yeah, yeah like yeah. Ju- just trust me yeah. and take this instead. Yeah. And I just, I just blacksmithed you this nice creation over here, and I'm, and the other person goes, "Here you go," and they hand him a piece of paper. Right, right, <laughs> because it's not you. Ju- you're not the only one who has to take it, right? Right. <laughs> Exactly. You need to trust that everyone in the world. And so this was the fun kind of stuff that we got to dig into. And so we would like schedule <laughs> in our in our young days as Smith tweeters, we would naively schedule a one hour meeting to talk about <laughs> the tweets we had written. And two hours later, we would be like, OK, we're going to have to come back to this tomorrow. Or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fair enough. Actually, on that note, I would like to take a quick break because it's that time right now. So everyone, you're listening to The Curious Task. I'm speaking with Janet Bufton and Sarah Squire today. The Curious Task is a podcast from the Institute for Liberal Studies. Feel free to send questions, feedback, guest recommendations, or anything else that's on your mind to curioustask at liberalstudies.ca. As always, a huge thanks to our supporters on Patreon, including Scott Scheel, Travis Smith, and Vincent Geloso. Remember to like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at The Curious Task, and rate us on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you're listening to The Curious Task. Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to The Curious Task. I'm speaking with Janet Bufton and Sarah Squire today. So, so Janet, Sarah, I think it was great reviewing what Wealth of Tweets was. We kind of covered the why question, wh- why you guys did it. And we, we started exploring some of the great avenues that that kind of conversation can take us. I wanted to lead off this part of our chat by asking, well, actually more elaborating on because you, you both touched on it very nicely in our first half, which was in, in a post that you both wrote reflecting, and this is on Adam Smith Works, we'll put in the episode notes, uh, reflecting on the whole project. Um, you were both pleased, as you were just both talking about earlier, with the amount of people this project connected. And, you, and that's really cool because, again, for those unfamiliar with this, they might think, again, you know, Wealth of Nations, Wealth of Tweets, I'm not going to go look at that if I'm not an academic. But again, it didn't seem like this was only for an academic audience, and it didn't turn out to be either. I think in, in that post on Smith Works you talked about, there was there was just, you know, people that were interested in it because they were Scottish and Adam Smith was Scottish. There's people who were, we were in different trades. It, it was certainly not just like an academic enterprise, right, Janet? Yeah, um, it, it was especially funny. So um, we, we wrote all the tweets together, but for the for the most part, it would be one or the other of us monitoring the actual Twitter when we were tweeting it. And so Sarah had been doing it for quite a while. And then um, I was doing it for a few days for the first time. And I was like, wow, there's just like, so Panmere House uh, is somewhere where Adam Smith lived. And it's now like, I, it's an event venue. Um, yes. And uh, yeah, I'm just making sure I, I, I definitely know, but that doesn't mean I can recall. Um, <laughs> and they just, they liked all of the stuff that we did and people, other people, like, as you said, cause they're Scottish, they're just like, oh, this is like really cool because this is like one of our famous people. Um, and we're going to be able to talk about it. And it's, it was just, yeah, it was just neat um, to see the sorts of people who are willing to, uh, even if it was just a like, If all you did, if you're listening and all you ever did was like at the wealth of tweets, we saw it and we were happy, just so you know. And we would do stuff too. There's a, there's a a section I remember where uh, Smith talks about um, keeping a dairy 
on a farm as an important way to, uh, you know, you have the dairy, you have, you have those cows, right, which produce the useful poop for making the land richer. Um, and they also produce milk. So you have a dairy in order to store the milk and also in order to turn it into cheese, because once you turn it into cheese, the milk doesn't go bad, right? So it, it becomes a, it, cheese is a better store of value than, than milk is, right? And for whatever reason, that got me tweeting a little bit about the Scottish uh, dairy and cheese industry. And so I decided to tag a bunch of uh, Scottish chefs to see if any of them would respond. Gordon Ramsay, alas, did not respond to our tweets. We are also that, that, that David Tennant never responded to any of our tweets. Try though we might. But we did, we did get one or two uh, somewhat lesser known Scottish chefs sort of exchanging with us uh, about Scottish cheese and making recommendations about Scottish uh, cheese that people might want to try and uh, liking a little bit later uh, a comment that Smith makes about whether uh, it's worth it to try and produce wine in Scotland when you can import perfectly good French wine for much less money. And, um, so that that kind of thing was a lot of fun, right? You, we actively tried to uh, tempt people into responding to the tweets, and and it was fun to see how often that worked. Yeah, I, I, I later had a reason to look up the Scottish winemakers, and there aren't that many. I can't remember if we tweeted at them or not. I don't remember. I know we tweeted about the, the Scottish wine. We definitely tweeted about Squ Scottish wine. And I, but I can't remember if I, if I like tried to find the Twitter, but that was the sort of thing that was like a, the fun. Um, it wasn't, it wasn't even a side project, right? It was part of the project to do stuff like that, but it also like, I don't know, that built a, almost a like weird little three month community. Um, and it was it was just neat. It was nice. So we we, we talked a little bit about the uh, digression on silver before, and how you guys found more joy than you thought you would have entering the project. Um, Sarah, this time we'll start with you. Other than that one, um, and I know you, it's hard to just pick one, but what what other passages come come to mind that you might point out on a short list of favorites beyond the amount of um, I was going to say gold, but the amount of silver you found in the, in the passage on, on, on the digression on silver. Well, what other passages can you point to that you think, hey, like, you know what, those turned out to be one of my favorites to go through? That, so that's a really good question. I'm going to I'm going to give you a sort of a complicated answer to that. Sounds good. Answer being complicated. One of the earliest discussions that Janet and I had about Wealth of Nations is that Smith throughout being an 18th century dude. Um, uses language like savage nations and barbarians, um, which is very difficult language to wrangle with in the 21st century. Um, and so we knew early on that we wanted to create a whole separate tweet thread discussing Smith's use of that kind of language and putting it in the context of 18th century speech and reminding people that language evolves and that we don't like those terms that Smith is using. And that hopefully, you know, 200, 300 years from now, people won't like the terms that we're using now for uh, other nations, other races, other genders, other peoples. Um, that that this, is a, this is a side effect of human progress, that when we look back, um, we are uncomfortable with some of the language that we've used in the past. And so we were braced throughout the project. And that, and that tweet thread went up, I think the second or third day 
of the entire project was really, really early because he comes right out of the gate with some Savage Nation stuff. Right. So we were really braced for there to be, and you, because we know how Twitter can be, right? So we were braced for there to be um, some abrasiveness and some real pushback on these parts of Smith. And we were conscious, conscious throughout of trying to point out places where Smith deals really well and responsibly with slavery and places where he completely drops the ball. Um, and those sorts of moments. So when we went into tweeting the section of Wealth of Nations that is all about colonial trade, I think Janet and I sort of both kind of sat down with tea and some migraine medication and thought, oh boy, you know, here, here we go, right? Because not only were we tweeting this incredibly difficult and incredibly um, nuanced and, and valenced and emotionally hot topic from Smith, we were tweeting it pretty much at the height of the, the Black Lives Matters movement. Right. Uh, in the US, right? So it, it was really very, very fraught. Um, and I was really pleased to see how well Smith actually deals with questions of colonialism and imperialism. Now he's not perfect. Nobody's perfect. Certainly nobody from the 18th century is perfect, but Smith is really, really good on the problems with extractive uh, colonization, uh, with the displacing of indigenous populations, with the cloaking of uh, imperialist and colonialist projects as a religious project, with all of the things that I think are most important to discussions about uh, colonialism and imperialism today, Smith is really, really solid. Um, and, and so I, I developed really a, a, an enormous respect for how good he is on that, um, when I didn't necessarily expect him to be, um, because a lot of people writing at the same time, David Hume, um, <laughs> not that good, um, are actively very bad. Uh, on some of this stuff and and smith is smith is spot on on much more of it than he is wrong um and that was that was i think a a, a really it wasn't like a fun moment in the project but it was a moment that i was really proud of in the project that i was gonna i was also gonna say um that our our uh what the it was it a, is it a whole book on colonies or is it a chapter I can't even remember anymore I think it's a chapter in book four I think so chapter seven it's chapter, chapter seven, seven. <laughs> <laughs> I do it all came back to me yeah. um yeah <laughs> I mean I think I think that <laughs> it's uh, I we we both sent at times messages that were something like chapter x it is literally it literally goes on forever <laughs> um and and that was that was one of them um but yeah i was i was really proud of how that that section uh came out too and i think i think um if i remember right uh, mo most of the credit goes to uh 
goes to Sarah. She's the one who really sat down and really hashed it out. Although um, one thing that happened that we didn't talk about is at the beginning, we thought that each of us would read like one part really, really carefully and then skim the other part and just kind of proofread. And that's not how it went down at all. We both had to read it very carefully um, all the way through. Uh, I, I joke that I, I read Wealth of Nations twice in the last year <laughs> because I would I would sit down and read it and then go through and read it again as, as we tweeted. And um, so, but, but it did help not to be the first one. <laughs> I think Sarah was the first one who did uh, the pass at the colony stuff. And it's just, he is so much better um, than either of us expected. So just to be clear, we didn't go in thinking we were going to be defending Adam Smith. We thought we were going to go in and develop a drinking problem. Like um, <laughs> <laughs> it was tea early in the morning, but then often, because as Sarah said, this was a very intensive process, process you, it's hard if you get interrupted. And so we would be working quite late at night <laughs> when we could be left alone. Um, and and I'm just saying a glass of red wine is fairly good for tweeting Wealth of Nations. It does not, it does not make it harder. Always, always tweet with slightly less than two drinks. Um, <laughs> slightly less than two Anyways, uh, that's my David Mitchell shout out. I think he got one in Wealth of Tweets too. Um, but the... Uh, yeah, so that... Anyways, that section, I think it went really, really well. Um, and it you get a feel for the fact that Smith has, he doesn't think that material progress is only good. He thinks that if people get rich enough, they're going to be able to afford to do really economically stupid things like enslaving each other and colonizing countries and just extracting resources from them, even though this is hugely wasteful because you're just basically throwing people into the grinder of your economic system right and he he has no time for defending that but he I think he thought it was inevitable like I think that he thought on the one hand you won't have children starving to death you won't have the coarsening of morals that happens when you have to watch um 90% of your children die which is a claim that he makes about uh mothers in the highlands of Scotland which were incredibly poor um not I think it was getting better when Smith was writing, but they had recently been incredibly, incredibly poor. Um, and I might be off on my timeline. He may still, it, it may still have been really bad. Um, so he thinks that that's a worthwhile thing, but he does think that there are flaws to people that make some really terrible things um, kind of inevitable. And luckily he was wrong. Uh, we have like, it's at least illegal to enslave people now, right? Uh, we sh it would be wrong to say that it's it's gone. Um, but And it would be wrong to say that that tendency in people, which he also talks about in the relationship between employees and employers, which is another uh, exceptionally good part of Smith, especially on the cusp of the Industrial Revolution, right? When people are really going to be in these, as they're trying to get richer and claw their way out of poverty. They're going to be in these kind of, um, by our standards, awful uh, working situations. And so, yeah, anyways, this, it, this is a digression. <laughs> um, but it, I, I would I would point people, and, and as was probably obvious from the beginning, I actually do think um, the, the digression on silver, we tweeted that very well. It, it worked really well. And I enjoyed actually the very early parts of the book that everyone reads. Um, 
I felt like that there was more there um, than I expected going in, which is a little bit like asking a Smith scholar which part of Wealth of Nations to read. And they're like, just read the whole thing. So I was like, just now I was like, well, you should read the end and then you should read the middle uh, and then you should read the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> and, and like, just if we really wanted to to be like that, actually the the part on debt at the end would, went weirdly well too, considering the subject matter we were given to work with. So, you know, and, and one of the things I, I want to add here, when, when, so when I was first thinking about doing the project, it was, are we going to do Wealth of Nations or are we going to do Theory of Moral Sentiments? Um, and you, tweets of moral sentiments will probably still happen one of these days. Um, it's, we're going to read it tomorrow, but tweets of moral sentiments, I think, is is certainly, you know, in the offing. Um but but really the question was, you know, wealth of tweets or tweets of moral sentiments. And it, it was, we had this whole interesting side conversation, right? Because for a long time, nobody read theory of moral sentiments and everybody only talked about uh, wealth of nations. But there's been a big shift, I would say, probably in the last, what, 25, 30 years in Smith scholarship. And suddenly it's all theory of moral sentiments and people are talking less and less about wealth of nations. And when they do talk about wealth of nations, they're doing sort of a, a targeted strike on wealth of nations. And there are like three or four passages that they they sort of dive in, grab and, and come out with, right? Without sort of being uh, the whole thing or even the whole chapter, right? Everybody knows the little invisible hand part, but have people read the entire section of the book or the entire chapter of the book from which that little bit comes from? Or are they using uh, Google search to pull up invisible hand and get that little quote and drop it into their paper? So one of the reasons we decided to do uh, Wealth of Nations was to you know, encourage people to discover all the other cool stuff that's in there, right? All the other interesting stuff and complicated stuff and useful stuff that's in there, right? Um, it and actually to to grapple with the stuff that's not useful and yes. that's not good. Like Smith is not good on the education of women. Nope, he's terrible. Right. So like, but, but, but by not going in and picking out the stuff that we thought needed to be defended and not going in and picking out specifically the stuff that we wanted to, to go after, I feel like that was a much more honest project. Right. Right. You, we could have just tweeted kind of Smith's greatest hits um, and there's there's certainly a place for that, right? Um, but but there's also something really interesting about saying, okay, let's just let's really unpack everything in the attic and look at the whole, you know, the whole shebang and and see where where we are. I'm laughing to myself because I could see what that Walmart CD would look like. The greatest hits. You got your division of labor, your invisible hand, <laughs> like, you know, on the you turn, pin all, factory. All, yeah, pin factory. Yeah, uh, all the old days, you know. <laughs> Right, but we all know, right? Uh, we all know those those bits, right? And and you can sure as shooting, almost any paper that you pick up on Smith is going to quote two of those, right? right. At least, right. maybe not anything else. Right. And and so it, it it's fun to to sort of push into that a little bit, um, you know. And that that comes. Um, probably as much out of my background in, in literature as it, it does out of any 
anything, right? I, I'm a firm believer in reading the whole damn thing, even the boring parts. And and the, the Wealth of Tweets certainly makes this not a boring endeavor if someone wants to follow along and, and read Wealth of Nations with with these tweets. And, you know, as as it probably went, like you guys said, with your conversations going from an hour to two, unfortunately, I can't let that happen here. So uh, the time has actually completely flown by already. And, and unfortunately, I do have to usher us towards our formal wrap up here. So both of you have been on before, so you may recall that. I want to make sure that the guests ultimately have the last word. There, there's two of you this time, so let me ask each of you individually, officially. We've talked about a lot. If we can try and bring our conversation full circle and put a finer point on what we were talking about here today, let me start with Janet first, and then we'll go to Sarah. What do you ultimately hope are the main takeaways for someone listening to here on why you all tweeted Smith and, and why he's, he's he's still important. If you had one or two things you want to leave people with and everything we discussed, we'll start with Janet. What would that be? I think that the important thing to keep in mind about Smith is that he's imperfect. Um, but there's a lot when, when you, when you unpack the whole attic and you stand in the middle of the boxes and you look around, you're going to find stuff that you want to pick up. Um, and you're going to want to understand why you're getting rid of the stuff you want to get rid of. Um, and since I get to choose two, my second one would be, please read Wealth of Tweets, because I, I do think that it's, if if you have looked at the Wealth of Nations and thought, well, that's a giant book that I'm never going to read, um, take a look and see if there's something that, you know, motivates you to pick it up, because it's, uh, you don't have to read it as quickly as we did. <laughs> and uh, and you'll, I hope, find something worthwhile if you do. Sarah? Um, I think for me, I'll repeat one of the things that I noticed the very first time that I read The Wealth of Nations uh, more than 20 years ago now, um, which was that I absolutely expected to hate it. I just thought I was going to hate it. And as I read my way into it, it felt more and more like a novel. Smith is showing you a world. He's showing you his world. Um, and he's showing you your world, right? It's it's a it's a picture of the 18th century world with all of its glories and all of its flaws, and all of its people doing hundreds and hundreds of jobs. I would love to go through Wealth of Nations and count up every profession that he mentions. I think that would be fascinating. It's got you know builders and farmers and opera dancers and actors and just everybody is in there. Um, and it's this almost novelistic picture of a world where people are living their lives and making choices and changing the world every day through the things that they're doing. And that is amazing to me. Um, he's not writing fiction. Um, he's giving you the real world. Um, but it feels in so many ways to me like reading a novel, like reading a really great story. Um, and so for people who are listening who are not economists, right, and who might feel daunted by reading the foundational work of modern economics, I would say pick it up, read it like it's a novel, and enjoy it like it's a novel. Um, and you'll accidentally pick up some economics along the way, but don't worry about that part happens to the best of us. Yeah, I think that's an excellent place to leave it. So Janet and Sarah, thank you both so much for joining me, both of you again on The Curious Task. This 
This episode of The Curious Task was produced by Alex Aragona and Sabine L. Chidiak. Our executive producer is Matt Bufton. The music you heard on today's episode was created by Lindy Voppenfjord. You should check out his other stuff online. The Curious Task exists today because of donations of time and money from those creating it and listeners like yourself. Check us out on Patreon and find out how you can support us and get access to exclusive offers. I'm Alex Aragona. Thank you very much for joining us on The Curious Task.